Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. The biggest quarterback story to come out of the game in Chicago this weekend, preseason week two, was not what a Bear did, but what a former Bear did in that game. Good morning, everybody. Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Alan Hahn with Key this morning. And, yeah, it was Mitch Trubisky who is now with the Bills, the backup quarterback there, and he went 20 of 28, 221 yards, a touchdown, 106.4 passer rating, and he looked good. But, Key, like, I mean, it's funny to call it a, a revenge game in the preseason. But, <laughs> I mean, it's happening in Chicago. If you're a Bears fan and you're watching Andy Dalton just look terrible, and then Fields comes in and he plays well and your, your coach isn't ready to make that change, you're seeing the guy that you guys gave up on Looking pretty good. Is Mitchell Trubisky short-term in Buffalo? Do you think he's going to get that second chance? And can he resurrect his career as a starter in this league after what happened in Chicago? Absolutely. Johnny Manziel got a 1,000 chances. Oh, my God. So, what, what, you know, when you're the number two pick in the draft, they're going to give you every opportunity. And Mitchell Trubisky was not god-awful to the point where Chicago absolutely, in my opinion, needed to move on from him. I felt like Matt Nagy – needed to coach better to understand who Mitch Trubisky actually was at the quarterback spot. Now, maybe he learned that real quick, fast, in a hurry when he came from Kansas City, that this wasn't the guy. That's one of the reasons he went out and got Nick Foles. But the guy did lead them to two playoff appearances. So the way that I look at it, he's in Buffalo. He's with Brian Dable, who's kind of, you know, got Josh Allen on the right track and is going to be a head coach in this league here in the next couple seasons. And you got a guy like Mitch Trubisky that he sees, and he says himself, I may take a job. Most likely he'll take a job where they need a quarterback because anytime there's a job opening somewhere, it's because most teams don't have quarterbacks. Think about it. Whenever these coaches get hired, they never have quarterbacks. Sean Payton got hired by the New Orleans Saints, and he didn't have a quarterback. Guess what they did? They signed Drew Brees, and the rest was history. I mean, that's just kind of the way it goes in the league. So, Mr. Trubisky will get Leslie Frazier as the defensive coordinator. He'll probably get another job, and he'll probably wind up taking a job with a team that does not have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're looking at Mr. Trubisky in the preseason and in practice, you can gauge him up against some of the things that's already on the team or who's coming out in the draft. And you say to yourself, we like what we see there. We want that guy. And it's funny how you're seeing a lot of that lately, too. With Jameis Winston did it last year. He went, instead of being a starter somewhere, there was nothing available for him. Is a high pick, a number one pick. Goes to New Orleans because he wants to learn. He kind of takes that redshirt year, in a way, going to the Saints. And now he's still, which, you know, that's a story we definitely have to talk about, still in a competition. And we'll watch tonight as they play Jacksonville, and we'll see how he plays. He will get the start. Um, but that's what he did. Marcus Mariota, in the same exact draft, did the same thing. And he's now in a backup situation after losing the starting position well, Ryan, for Ryan, Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill did it. From Miami to Tennessee, and I want to say about five, six games in, yeah. they decided that Marcus Mariota wasn't getting it done. They went to Ryan Tannehill. He takes them to the playoffs a year later. They can't move on from him. They got to give him close to a $100 million contract. Now he's the guy. Right, right, right. You, but you're seeing it around the league, that young players who in their first stop somewhere, I mean, Sam Darnold is the starter in Carolina. They've hardly played him in the preseason but that's another guy that, you know, it didn't work out with the first team that drafted him. Go somewhere else and try to reestablish yourself. See, I never thought Mitch Trubisky was 
like just bad. He just had no experience when he I, came in the league. Zero experience and didn't have a whole lot of playmakers around him other than Allen Robinson. And it was a defensive-oriented team. And they just, for some reason, decided to put him in a different situation. And allow instead of saying, okay, this is what he does well, and we could build around that. Sort of like a Baker Mayfield in Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. They came in there and they realized, okay, doesn't do all this well, but he does this. Mm-hmm. He fits what we want to do. Let's continue to build that around him. And now he's successful in getting ready to be one of the top six paid quarterbacks in the National Football League and potentially lead the Cleveland Browns to a Super Bowl. Right. We haven't even talked much about the Browns and, and obviously and, and Baker and what they can be, but – you know, again, Trubisky has the backup in Buffalo. It goes, again, to what I was saying earlier. Backup quarterbacks in the league, especially with a 17-now game season, it's more important than maybe it used to be, especially for a contending team because you just never know if there's a quarter, a half, or even an entire game, you're going to need somebody capable to get you a win. It doesn't have to be a long-term solution. You don't want the catastrophic injury. But still, to have somebody that you can put in that plays the same way as your starter, which I guess that you could say Trubisky does, you know, that's what you've got there. But let's get back. Go ahead. See, I, I feel like, for instance, knock on wood, clink, clink, if something was to happen to uh, Josh Allen for mm-hmm. two or three games, man, I feel so much better about Mr. Trubisky at the point. Buffalo Bills quarterback position other than what's in Green Bay and what's in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, okay, we're cool. Roll, yeah. Let's roll it out. We can still run the same offense. We don't have to deviate from it and feel like we still got a chance to win these games until Josh Allen comes back. Right. So let's let's go back to, to Dallas then in that conversation, right? Because, you know, Cooper Rush, again, has been the one guy that's looked pretty good, hardly played. Uh, you know, Gilbert hasn't played a lot, but that's been the guy that they thought would be the backup. And then there's, of course, the beloved Ben DiNucci and, and three interceptions and, you know, looking like that's not the guy. And what, what, what we heard earlier, Mike McCarthy suggesting that maybe the backup quarterback's not on this roster. You know, that, that's – for the Cowboys, it sounds like, no, you have Dak Prescott. It's not important. I would think out of all the situations of teams that you consider contender, Dak Prescott coming off injury, kind of banged up already again in preseason, backup there might be the most critical of anywhere else in the league? I, I think there and as well as Green Bay. I, be, I think they're about, the, about even. Because I don't – who's in Green Bay? I know. Like, we were talking about Blake Bortles, yeah. and he was already at home. He was home. already gone. Yeah, he was already gone. So, it's like between Green Bay and Dallas, I would probably say those two because they're both prime. At least we know Green Bay's been to two straight NFC Championship games. All we know in Dallas is there's so much potential that if, if they just got on the right track, then they could make some noise in the NFC. All the other teams got viable backups – that you say, okay, I've seen them play before. Mm-hmm. I know that this is what's coming out of that, no matter what the situation is. Where in Green Man Dallas, it's like, I feel like Ben DiNucci and Nathan Peterman are the same guys. Every time I look up, they turn the ball over. Nathan Peterman still. He's still right? I mean, like, still, think about it. He's still in the league getting checks. Still trying to convince somebody. That- <laughs> no, he ain't convincing them. They believe that he can still play. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the amazing thing about backup quarterbacks in the league is they just kind of keep popping up all Chase over the Chase Daniels is still in, in mm-hmm. Los Angeles backing up as a charger. I get that. He's a veteran guy. I understand, you know, he, he could help a young quarterback move things along and teach him some stuff. But the, the Cowboys or Green Bay, they don't have it. And I don't know 
what their thought process at the beginning of the season was in terms of their backup quarterback. I know salary caps play a big part of the type of money you want to allocate in that particular position because for Dak Prescott, he eat the position, just the position, not the cap as a team because when you look at the the salary cap, they're going to look at allocating a certain amount of money to a position, Mm -hmm. and Dak Prescott absorbs all All of it, so what's left? Not much. Now, again, you mentioned some some alternatives, and what Nick Foles might be too expensive. I think Nick – well, I, I mean, I don't know what he's making, but he could be. Because but, but Nick, Nick Foles will have a lot of suitors if they decide to release so him So expensive both him. ways, right. Yeah. yeah expensive both ways. He's going to have an opportunity. He, he's going to have an opportunity to back up for somebody. Yeah. You, you, uh, of, all the, of all the players, he's the guy that you – he will not be in Chicago when we begin the season, right? I don't think they. I don't think any of these teams have carried three. I don't think New England's going to carry three. Right. So that's it's a matter of. It'll what, be where interesting. He ends up. It'll be interesting to see if New England carries three because they could hold over. You have well, they got four. No, no. But I'm saying you could carry three, meaning like two active and one on the practice squad. Will they? Will they put a guy like Jared Stidham on the practice squad and cut Brian Hoyer? Um, because if you have two years of service or more, you're eligible to still be on the practice squad because in the past, like three years ago, you couldn't be on the practice squad if you had two years or more service. But you can be like 18 years of the league and still be on the practice squad. So that'll be interesting to see if New England does that or do they move on from Jared Sidham and trade him somewhere or cut him and cut both of Brian Hoyer. And now those two guys are in the marketplace because Nick Foles will probably – you could probably trade him for something really low. What does a practice squad guy make? I mean, is that like a good ninety, probably ninety thousand, hundred thousand? Better than a real job, right? Like, I mean, that is a real job. You know, you know what I'm saying? What do you mean, you I sound like the rest of them. You, no, that's work, working. Working for a living. You don't think waking up at six o'clock in the morning, or not even six, five o'clock in the morning, and not getting home till six or seven o'clock at night is not a real job? No, sitting in a cubicle versus being able to play a sport. You got to lift weights. You got to study. Yeah. You got to work. Yeah, that sounds good. That That's a, a job. Oh, God, than no. Sitting in a cubicle. All right. Man, you know stop, man. Yeah, okay. It's a job. At Key J and Z, would you rather, for the same salary, play football or work in an office? Which one would be? Wait till you, you get hit. You could do both. Yeah, you wait till you both. get hit. And let me then tell me. <laughs> Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Mako. These, there are scratches and dents, unexpected natural events if life throws you uh-ohs. Just say better get Mako and head to Mako.com to get an online estimate today. So three Power Five conferences are forming an alliance. Paul Feinbaum tells you why he's absolutely unimpressed with the idea. That's after Key has this. 30 for 30 podcast, The Undefeated presents The King of Crenshaw. This four-part series examines how Nipsey Hussle's life, death, and legacy impacted the sports world, particularly the NBA. When Nipsey earned enough to leave his neighborhood, he stayed and committed himself to uplifting his community. This commitment inspired a generation of NBA players to do the same. Here, DeMar DeRozan, Isaiah Thomas, and DeMarcus Cousins, among others, Explore the realities of life as a black man in America. Nipsey's dedication to South L.A. and his community and how Nipsey inspired millions. This podcast series also features an original soundtrack by 1500 or nothing who worked closely with Nipsey throughout his life. The marathon continues. The King of Crenshaw 
Binge all four episodes now on SiriusXM, Pandora, Stitcher, or whoever you listen to for your podcast. Do you want to form an alliance? Absolutely, I do. Good. We were all making like Survivor and Real World Road World Challenge jokes uh, when this first happened, but I don't know what it is beyond that. What is it? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Do you want to form an alliance? Absolutely, I do. Good. If you talk to people in the ACC right now, you get a different answer than if you talk to the people in the Pac-12. If they're able to pull this off, think about the scheduling opportunities. Can't wait. Fired up. College football season. That plus, eventually, you put them three conferences together. Well, this is yeah. Oh man, it's gonna be fire! But I'm telling you right now, this is a story, the college football story, and what is developing right now in college football beyond, of course, the top teams and everything else. Just understand something. There's something happening here that I remember Paul Feinbaum referencing a while back that I Mm -hmm. found fascinating. Like this could really happen, and it sounds like. Yeah, it should have been happened years ago. It they sounds like just it is. Scrapped all them conferences years ago right. and put this thing together. Can mm-hmm. you imagine? Though, think about it. Teams on the West Coast being able to recruit from the South just crazy. The South being able to recruit out West kids just going all over the place. It's gonna be just. But with the portal, you do have wow. kids going all over. Yeah, the but place. it's totally it's like different though. Right now, but it's so different with the, the portal game. versus I really want you yeah. versus a portal where a guy. You're not good enough, so you have to leave that school. It's a totally different situation. All right, let's bring Paul into this conversation. He's a good friend of the show, Paul Feinbaum. The Paul Feinbaum Show, of course, weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the SEC Network and the ESPN app. And Paul's brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is back, and so are the fans. Crack open an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, slap on a fresh coat of face paint, and return to glory with an all-new season of Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Good morning, Paul. How are you? 
Alan, I'm doing great. Key, how are you? Good, man. Just out here in New York City where it's raining, believe yeah. it or not. Weather hasn't been great, but we're, uh, we're trying to stay dry indoors. But, Paul, something I remember you referencing a while back that seems to be coming to fruition, and that is that we're going to reach a point where the power conferences are going to basically form their own organized college football and maybe just a complete departure from the NCAA. SEC certainly looks like they're just getting big enough where they don't need the NCAA. And now we've got this story about an alliance between the ACC, the Big Ten, Pac-12. Um, what can we expect from this, and what's your reaction to it? Yeah, Alan, I think, I think what you said initially is where we are going. I just don't think this is the way to get there. The only way for college football to finally tell the NCAA to get lost is to do it in a collaborative fashion. But we're talking here of the five autonomous five power five conferences. We only have three part of this alliance. The SEC has already made one of its moves by taking Texas and Oklahoma, and the Big 12 has been left out. So I, I understand the celebration of where we're going, but this is not the way to get there. What this is, at least from my humble opinion, uh, is a reaction to what happened a month ago when, when Oklahoma and Texas bolted at some point in time to go to the SEC. So you have these other three conferences trying to figure out how to, how to play chess with the SEC, and they're struggling to do it. Uh, and before we even get to that part, remember, they don't want the Big 12 to be part of this. So the Big 12 is on an island, and it is sinking by the hour. So you have the Pac-12 and the, and, the, and the Big 10 and the ACC. What are they going to announce is my question. I know a lot of people think I'm being negative because I live uh, in the SEC quarters. No, I'm not. I'm just asking, what is the purpose of this? You know, you, you mentioned scheduling. Well, there are, there's already cross-sectional sectional scheduling going on. Uh, yeah, this perhaps will enhance that, but I don't think it's significant. What, what this really is is just a reaction, and it's a reaction to the SEC. It's also a, a means to stop the 12-team college football playoff. And, Key, if there's ever a league that needs 12 teams in the college football playoff, and you know where I'm going here, it's the Pac-12. They can't, they can't buy their way in. And if they now stop the progress that seemingly was going on two months ago, then where are they going to be? Paul, but when you, when you look at it, though, it was okay for the SEC to empower themselves with Texas and Oklahoma. But now that the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 is somehow going to collaborate and put themselves together – it seems like that there's a problem, but it wasn't a problem for the SEC to get two more teams. I wonder why is that? Well, let me, I don't want to sound like a lawyer here. You said the word empower themselves. It's worth remembering this. Oklahoma and Texas wanted to leave the Big 12. Why did they want to leave it? Because it's, a, it's, it's not a very powerful league. They were struggling with their television contracts. Uh, they did not like some of the things that one of the Big 12's television partners, in this case Fox, was, was doing with them, such as having the Oklahoma-Nebraska game, which this year is, a, is the 50th anniversary of one of the most famous games in college football history, begin at 11 a.m. in Norman uh, in September, where the temperature will be about 140 degrees for, to satisfy television. So th they decided that they wanted to go somewhere else. And every time I say this, people react uh, negatively, but the SEC did not go courting them. They called the SEC. The SEC took them. And Keyshawn, if the SEC had said, no, we don't want to take you guys, 
Uh, it's really not fair to college football. Do you know what the next call would have been? It would have been to Chicago, to the Big Ten, and the Big Ten would have taken them. So I think it's, I think it's just disingenuous for a lot of people out there to, to make the SEC out to be like, like uh, a Wall Street uh, a tycoon in the late 80s and 90s going around gobbling up companies, breaking them up, selling them, and putting everybody out of work for a profit. That's not exactly what this is about. So, Paul, now I'm putting you in, in power. As the, the commissioner of these three conferences, what would you have done with these ACC Big Ten and the Pac-12 if you were the head of them? Well, I don't have a problem with them trying to coalesce and figure out a path, but the problem is there really isn't a good path. This is really about power and leverage and television. And you know, there's only one big card out there that remains that I think could move the needle and Keyshawn, that's Notre Dame. If, if you know, Notre Dame suddenly decided to join the ACC, then they have satisfied and checked the SEC. The only other solution would be for the Big Ten to say, you know what? We're going to do the same thing that you're accusing the SEC of doing. We're going west. And we've got our eyes on two schools out there. Oregon, very attractive national brand, and then one of the biggest brands of all time in college football. You can say it. USC. That would make the Big Ten in, in, as powerful as the SEC or the ACC with Notre Dame. But other than that, there really aren't any cards. So uh, it, it's very interesting to me what the end game here is, considering that the Big 12 has still been left out in the cold. I think it's just about headlines, and, and I think it's about politics. There's an NCAA convention coming up, and I think they want you to the, the three conferences want you to believe we're all going to vote together on stuff that doesn't interest the audience uh, at 7.15 in the morning very much at all. So I, I am just not impressed. Um, again, I haven't heard what they have to say. Maybe, maybe they'll knock us dead in a day or two when they make their announcement, but I, I sincerely doubt it. What, what's going to happen now that you said that the Big 12 is left out in the cold? How can they get back in and stay warm? What's going to happen to them? Well, to me, the, the Big 12's secret to survival is, is an expanded playoff. And, and, and what's happening this week is only going to stop that. We, remember, two months ago, we sat here and talked about we could be two years away from a 12-team playoff. And what happened when the SEC ended up with Texas and Oklahoma, everyone wanted to blame the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, for trying to push the 12-team playoff. He was a member of that committee with three other people, including the Big 12 commissioner, the Notre Dame athletic director, and the commissioner of, I think, the Mountain West. He, uh, he was an easy target, but, but, but Keyshawn, the SEC, do you think the SEC really needs a 12-team playoff? No, it doesn't. It wins almost every year as it is or every other year, and it's in the playoff every single year, but the Pac-12 is not. The, the Big 12 is the biggest loser, but the Pac-12, more than anything, doesn't need conference affiliations with the Big Ten. It already has that. We have a Michigan-Washington game this year. We have an Oregon-Ohio State game. I mean, these are great games. Uh, what the, what, what the Pac-12 needs is a ticket to the playoff, and, and, and it's, it's not going to be a, a four-team playoff that will help them get in there. It's going to be a 12-team playoff. Hey, Paul, staying in the SEC, or let's, let's at least discuss something that's more of a headline in the SEC, and that's in Auburn, where Brian Harson is the, the first-year head coach. He's now in quarantine after testing positive for COVID-19, and, and he's been – uh, you know, uh, when it comes to the vaccine, he's not like we're seeing a lot of these other programs and coaches really trying to push it with their staff and their players to get as close to 100 percent as possible. He has kind of been in the opposite of this. And uh, Joseph Goodman of uh, AL.com uh, really went after him in a column 
uh, saying this, that his neglect for safety of players is unacceptable. How would you describe it? Well, it is known that he has not done a public service announcement for the vaccine, which which almost every coach in the SEC did other than there's only two coaches in the SEC who I don't think did that him and and Mike Leach. So he has put himself on an island now. Now, Alan, I I, I don't really know. I've interviewed him a couple weeks ago and, you know, I I, I didn't ask him. I said, Coach, have you taken the vaccine or not? I I don't I'm not sure that's really my, my place to ask. A lot of people think it is our place to ask. But but it, it, he has been very circumspect uh, in, in he's been very careful, I should say, in, in, in saying whether he is pushing his players to get the vaccine or not. So unfortunately for him, uh, you know, he now has covid. Uh, I think everybody wishes him well. Now, the writer uh, that you mentioned, I interviewed him the other day. He has been very hard on 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 the coach saying it's a terrible look. It's, it's mismanagement. I don't know all those things. Uh, and I don't know if you guys do either. But when when you are when you have not come out in favor of the vaccine and then you end up with covid and you're trying to get your team to 100 uh, percent, you know, 100 percent vaccinated, you, you do put yourself in a very, really awkward spot. Thanks, Paul. Great to talk to you as always. We appreciate you this morning. Alan Key, I will see you soon. Thanks so much. All right, buddy. All right, you got it. That's a big story down in Alabama uh, with Auburn and that program and obviously in the SEC where that, that has, seems to have been the drive where a lot of these teams are trying to get to 100% and, and he's under fire right now uh, before the, he's even gotten to a game. The world it, we live it, in. And it's, it's really what it's become, hasn't yeah. it? Like, that's really what it's become. And, and I agree with Paul. It's a personal choice. But because you're a public figure, yes. your personal yeah. choice yeah. becomes a public conversation. Yes, that is correct. All right, so coming up next, uh, who should start in Chicago continues to be a debate. Bear down, we've got a former quarterback to tell you. That comes after SportsCenter. As long as Andy's in the game, I'm going to be rooting for Andy. What the fans have to realize is we're on the same team. People are looking to put Justin Fields in. Hoping that you know we put up 100 points a game. When I do go in the game, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to do the same thing. This is Keyshawn J. Will Zubin coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Alan Hahn with Key this morning. Rain is pouring down here in New York City, and we hope everybody is safe, sound, and most importantly, dry. Let's continue with the quarterback conversation. Back to the NFL we go, and one of the bigger stories quarterback-wise, and there's five rookies that are vying for playing time this year. Trevor Lawrence at the number one pick you expect should start. Zach Wilson is really the only option. He's the number two pick for New York for the Jets, and he also is expected to start. After that, these are competitions, and we're seeing where they go, and that includes Justin Fields in Chicago and someone with certainly the pulse of the Chicago Bears and their fan base, Jim Miller, former Bears quarterback, Sirius XM NFL Radio, joins us right now on the Goodyear Hotline. Jim, good morning. Hey, good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Good Great job, to have Jimmy. you. Hey, who should be, in your opinion, the starter week one for the Bears? I think right now it will be Andy Dalton. You just you got a lot of uncertainty up on the offensive line and how that's going to shake out. And even this past weekend when I called the game, I mean, there was a pretty vicious hit on young Justin Fields. And credit the young man because he's tough as all can be, and he took every bit of it. And I think we know that from the college uh, uh, football playoffs how tough he is. But, you know, I thought he missed a blitz that really could put him out of commission. So, again, until the young man's ready, until he understands everything that he's seeing in front of him and what defenses are going to be bringing him 
I think you got to be patient with him, and until he's ready, that's when you'll insert him into the lineup. So as of right now, you're more classroom ready than actual athletic ready on Justin yeah. Fields. Yeah, well, Keyshawn, it's really interesting. You and I both know when you see these college offenses, and Ohio State is one of them, where the whole offense turns to the coach, and the coach from the sideline signals the play into the whole offense. He didn't even call plays in college. So I think it's really that picture, that blueprint of the play that really has got a light up in your head. I don't think that's still happening uh, for him right now. And he's basically said it, it was uncomfortable for him to, to, to call plays. I think he's getting better at it. I talked to Bill Lazor. He said he is starting to feel more comfortable uh, doing it. But it's not just about your offense. you got to understand the defense as well. So I think it's it's a process for him. But he's dazzled. I think we know how well he played in the first preseason game. And he did some things this last game against Buffalo that are, that are impressive. But he, he's just not quite there yet. And I don't think you want to throw him to the wolves. Week one, primetime football against the L.A. Rams defense. Okay, so if you don't want to throw him against the, the Wolves week one and you're Matt Nagy, when is that critical decision to be made that, you know what, damn this, I'm, I'm not about to get fired. Go in, mm-hmm. son. Yeah. Well, I think I, I kind of, you know, I kind of equal it to what happened in Miami last year you know they kept on saying brian flores hey the kid's not ready yet we're going to be patient with him we're going to be patient with him then they went on a two-game win streak and ultimately they start to put Tua tongue viola uh in the lineup i'm not saying it's going to be that same exact situation because everybody learns differently but you know if the bears are say four and six you know i don't know five and three you know maybe something like that middle of the year where you think, hey, it's, it's going to be hard for us to go on a run to really make the playoffs, I would think it's going to be that type of scenario, or, God forbid, an injury happens to Andy Dalton. Jim Miller joins us right now on the Goodyear Hotline, former Bears quarterback, also preseason TV analyst as well, and Super Bowl champ with the Patriots. So, Jim, uh, you played the position. You understand it, and you certainly understand Chicago. The fan base certainly wants Justin Fields to be the starter. They gave him an ovation before he even came in the game, right. stepped on the field, and Andy Dalton certainly heard the boos as well. Not to say that fans and media pressure does impact the decision, but just you know, give us, give us that sense of, of what that impact might have, and, and even just in the locker room. And I thought Fields said all the right things after the game regarding the boos. Yeah, I think, yeah, he said all the right things. He's a terrific young man. He really is terrific to, to be around, and his play is special. And I think his teammates understand that, that he is the future of the team. But, it, you know, fans don't see every day at practice. They're not at Hallis Hall witnessing blitz period or a red zone seven-on-seven period like I did during the week last week where Andy Dalton was basically just carving up the defense. You know, Andy Dalton has earned the respect of his teammates, not only his teammates, but his coaches, that's why he's been named the starter uh, right now. So I understand the, where the fans are at, and I've never experienced anything like it uh, since calling the first two preseason games. This young man is getting a, a standing ovation uh, from, the, the, from the fans, and it's, you know, it was loud. You know, it's, it's something I've never seen before. But it just tells you the backing he has, young Justin Fields, the backing he has from the fans the support that is there for him. They want him to succeed so bad because they've been thirsting for a young, talented QB to be the future of the franchise for quite some time. And this young man has it. You know, the fans really 
you know, really want to support him and want him to do well. But I refrain from that, but just saying, hey, just be patient. Bring him along the right way. You know, you don't want to ruin a young quarterback, as I mentioned, because he took a vicious hit last weekend, and that needs to be really a, a reminder that, hey, just be, bring him along the way. Do it the right way. And when he's ready to play, that's when he'll be inserted in the lineup. Jim, help me with my stupidity of understanding and knowing football. I think I know a little bit, and I, you know, I played it enough to think I know. Can Andy Dalton lead this team to a Super Bowl? And here what I'm here's where I'm coming from. When I when I look at teams that have gone to the Super Bowls, the quarterbacks have done terrific jobs in the regular season to get their teams in position for the postseason. And once they get to the postseason, the defense tends to take over. The running game in the quarterback minimizes the mistakes, a la Tom Brady in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs or Kansas City Chiefs star quarterback and Patrick Mahomes a year before or our Super Bowl with Brad Johnson. Can he, Andy Dalton do that for Chicago? Yeah, I think in his past, I think the window closed in Cincinnati. I think everybody understands. He led Cincinnati five times to the postseason. Certainly he gets the criticism that they didn't win a, a postseason game, but I don't, I'm, I don't think that's all on Andy. I view Andy kind of like Alex Smith. He's a guy who's not going to lose you a game. He's not going to make the stupid decision, throw the pick six, uh, you know, have the costly fumble that is going to lose you the game. And the Bears feel that they've got the defense to really do that. You know, they feel that they can play strong if they get the takeaways like they did back in 2018. I think that's what they're hoping for, and that Andy's not going to make the, the costly mistake that's going to cost you. So, yeah, do I think he can lead them postseason and beyond? Yeah, I think if he plays his game and plays smart football, that's what the Bears are counting on. Jim, this was terrific insight. We appreciate uh, your time. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Uh, all right, Jimmy. guys. Have a good uh-huh. day. Always good to talk to you, Keith. Yes, sir. Jim Miller, again, a former Bears quarterback. So, he, he, you know, not only perspective from calling games and being there on the field, but obviously is playing there. But it is something to think about how the crowd, like they just stood up, like <laughs> gets on the field. But that's He just walked on the field and the whole place stood up and just cheered him while also letting Andy Dalton know, we don't want you. I well, mean, that's a weird place to be. Well, it is that same way when you have a bad quarterback play the year before in Cam Newton in New England. It's when you have bad quarterback play, and they draft a guy. Yeah, you want that guy. Yeah, I yeah, want the yeah, next so guy. That's the guy. Yeah, I want that guy. Well, you wonder why it goes like again in New England. Think and about in it. Chicago with field goal kickers. They miss a couple field goals. The new guy comes <laughs> yeah, in. Everybody the cheers like, "Hey, the next guy in here." He's got, the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy on the team. And the new that. kicker is always <laughs> the most popular guy on the team. <laughs> Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance with insurance for cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and commercial vehicles at one eight hundred Progressive and Progressive dot com. So, Key says the backup quarterback needs to be a guy who can win a few games. Coming up next, he'll tell you which backup gives you the best chance to do exactly that. Who is it? Who do you think it is? We'll see what Key thinks it is after he has this from Dr. Pepper. College football fans, after an offseason that felt a little more off than usual, Fansville and Dr. Pepper invited you to celebrate because college football is back, baby! And so are the fans. Yes, It's the most wonderful time of the year again, the season of Saturdays with rivals run deep and nacho cheese dip runs even deeper. Mm. Mm, I knew you were going to do that. Mm -hmm. So crack open an ice cold Dr. Pepper, warm up your 
cornhole tossing arm and return to glory with an all new season of Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one the fans deserve. The beginning of the season, I mean, I want to be in that moment. This is one of them things we say, man, I wish I had that right now. Are you ready? ready. This is Marty Smith, and I'm ready. This is Keyshawn Johnson. The Dallas Cowboys are ready. This is Matthew Berry. The Syracuse Orange are ready. This is Alan Hahn. I'm ready. Football is back, and it kicks off every morning with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin and continues all day right here on ESPN Radio. Barbasol Shaving Cream. You're looking good, America. You're shaving with Barbasol. Close Shave America. Close Shave Barbasol. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A loss for words? Not here. Fill in the blank. Blank brought to you by... That would be blank. Yeah, blank. Blank. Fill in blankety, the bank. Blankety, blankety, blank. Fill in the bank is a completely other conversation to have, but it's brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for only $299. No contract. Straight Talk Wireless. 5G cable device required. Actual availability coverage and speed may vary. Pat Costello takes it from here, Pat. Oh, okay. Then Evan is going to do it instead. I wanted to give the Fordham guy a chance, but oh, go ahead, Evan. The Hofstra guy. Okay. First one up, Baker Mayfield is the blank best quarterback in the AFC North. I'm going to say he is the third best yep. quarterback Agree. in the AFC North. Agree. I'm going third. And how, I, what, what's your order? Though? Well, I was going to say that you have Lamar and you have Ben. I still think you put Ben there from his okay. experience. Okay, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm not going I'm, Joe Burrow, not yet. No, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Ben Lamar, oh, Baker. I just feel like Ben, you, you, until he can't do it. Yeah, too. That's why I got him at one. I, it, I, I, Lamar's snack, crackle, pop, fire, all that. Yep. I rock with him, yep. everything. But something about old dudes that get a, a jolt of new energy, I roll with. And well, it looked like to me in the, the preseason, right? you give him time, yeah. Ben looks straight. Yeah. Plus, he's got some good receivers in Washington, Johnson, Juju, and when Claypool gets back on the field, we saw Najee Harris in the backfield. They just – Pittsburgh just looked different to me. Can we also make make it clear this is not a disrespect of Baker Mayfield? No, it's not. Like, this not is not all. saying, like, Baker Mayfield isn't good. It's saying that that's a really good quarterback division. It is. And he's he's close. 
Yes, but he's not. That is correct. Not top. Not top two yet. Evan. Seventeen regular season games in the NFL this year, so mm-hmm. the extra game in the NFL this season will blank the record books. I'm going impact. It will impact the record books. Yeah. I don't think it's going to smash the no. record books. But you're going to see some things only because of an extra game. Yeah. You're going to so see might some see things go down. Like, it's a guy might throw for. Well, 17 starts for one. Yeah, well, <laughs> right? duh, right? Hey, there's one. guy might throw for a few more yards or something yeah. like that. And rush yeah. for a few more for more catches. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be stuff know. like that. I more mean, losses on coaches' records. <laughs> Along those lines, That's a great point. Blank will lead the league in rushing yards this year. Blank will win the rushing title. Who do you who do you see there? Derrick Henry. Yeah, I'm just gonna the old reliable going that way. Mm. They're not gonna change much of what they yeah. do. Corey Davis out, Julio Jones in. They're not all Still of a sudden getting ready to five wides, greatest show on turf offense. Yeah, they're not doing that. Right, defense. Play defense, run the football, and have our quarterback not make the mistakes, and we'll be good. My wild card, Saquon Barkley. My that's wild not card. bad, though. That's it's a not wild bad. card. Like, like I, I mean, I agree with you, with Derrick Henry, because that's what they do. I just think Derrick Henry can rush for 1,800 yards. Yeah, he's also got the stamina to do it. He yeah. doesn't break down that dude. Right. And they scared of him. <laughs> I would be scared of Wouldn't him, Wouldn't you though. be? Yeah. Hell yeah. I was scared of my Speaking own of shadow scared. at times. Bears fans scared Andy Dalton's going to start blank games this season. Andy Dalton will start blank games this season for the Bears. They're scared that he will start blank games. Well, just how many games will Andy Dalton uh, start? Andy Dalton will start blank games this season. Six. Six. See, I was looking at the schedule. I'm going three. Here's why. Because week four is the Lions. Wow. So there's your first. Is that what a lion sounds like? I don't get near him. Okay. Well, and then after that, his schedule gets challenging. So you'd have to get him a, for a start against somebody that you feel like you can handle it. And then you get into that rhythm of some tough teams after that. Because if, if not, you're waiting till way late into the season to get to, to get him into but the But see, line. I just think that what's going like to happen You don't want to put him against. Here's the run after the Lions, Raiders, and it's Packers. No, what's the first three? I mean, first six. The first six? Yeah. All right, I'll give you the first six if you want them. Well, I thought that you had right there. I do have it right I know here. it's the just, Rams to start time. with. Yes. So what if Andy Dalton goes into L.A. and beats the Rams? Okay, and? I, I didn't say week one. No, but I'm saying he goes in there yeah. and beats and then you play, and then you play Cincinnati week two. So now you're 2-0. You and win that, right. Now you're 3-0. and But then you've got the Browns. Okay, so you drop that one. Three. So you drop that one. You're 2-1. You're going to make a change? Well, it depends on how you look. But you might, he might look? look good. And then all of a sudden you beat the Lions. All right, you want your week six? Now, Here's your week six. Here's your week six. Because you have the, then you have the Bengals. All right, fine. Then you have the Browns. Okay. Then you go Lions. Then you got – that's where I was thinking Khalil Mack back at the Raiders. Raiders, right. And then Bear, and then Packers. Packers. You're so, going to start them against Aaron Rodgers. No, but listen to me. You beat the Rams. You beat the Bengals. Mm-hmm. You drop the Browns. You beat the Lions. You beat the Raiders. Now what? Or if you well, flip you it, the wait, but hold on. Six. Or you flip it. You lose to the Rams. You beat the Bengals. You lose to the Browns. You beat the Lions. <laughs> now what? That's all. I'm just trying to. You're giving me, like, this is all hypotheticals and, and, and arbitrary arguments about who, what if they win this and what if they beat that. 
Are you saying? Because these are decisions that the coaches have got to make. But week six would be against the – after six games, it would be the Bucks, right in the midst of yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No, I don't know. Maybe they just don't start them at all. That could happen.